0: Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word.
1: This morning is the third message in our series entitled Growing Young. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit that God promises us in the scriptures is to do these rewords, like to renew us, uh, to, to restore us, and all of that has something to do with bringing us back to a strength and a sensibility that we had at a previous uh, time in our lives. Uh, uh, personally, I can't think of anything, anything that keeps me, me personally young in a, uh, a multi, being in a multi-generational church. I mean, uh, like I'm pastoring, uh, at my age I'm pastoring a church, or I'm closing out my pastoral ministry with a church Whose median age is about 33 or 34 years old? That's, that's higher. Whatever, okay. <laughs> anyway, it's still an anomaly, and and it's an anomaly I appreciate because, like, if it wasn't for Pastor Ian, like if it wasn't for a multi generational church, I wouldn't have any exposure whatsoever to rap music. <laughs> you know, and and uh, now i you know I'm exposed. Uh, to to rap music, and, you know, what could be better in my life than that right now? Anyway, so. (laughs) Okay. This morning, I'm teaching. Sorry, Ian. All right. This morning, I'm teaching on a section of Scripture in which God accomplishes his promises of a covenant, uh, a covenant people, but he does it by restoring youth. And he does it by restoring youth to an old patriarch and an old matriarch, And and I'm talking about the story that most of you know probably about Abraham and Sarah and the pregnancy that eventuates in the birth of Isaac. And by faith, by the way, we are all covenant sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. So this this is a pertinent story to us as well. And this is what God has to say to us this morning. I believe, I really believe there's an unction this morning that emanates from the worship, and uh, you know, I've been praying all week, and I just sense that there is uh, 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 an impact of the miraculous this morning uh, for intractable situations, as uh, Pastor Tony prophesied. That's why we're here. Same message is being given in Mukunji by Bob. And so, so uh, God accomplishes his plan very often through, through us, by causing us to, in a measure, grow young again. God accomplishes his plan to Abraham and Sarah uh, in a measure by causing them to grow young again. Is anybody here ready to grow young a little bit? And this is what God has to say to us this morning, okay? So Abraham and Sarah receive, watch this, Abraham and Sarah receive the child uh, that God promised to them after they moved beyond their ability to conceive and bear a child i say that again they they received the promise of the child that god had promised to them after they had moved beyond the ability to conceive and bear a child all right it's time to grow young again they were beyond What the promise was. And that gives rise to the title of this message this morning When Your Promises Is Beyond. And I left it open-ended when your promise is beyond you, when your promise is beyond the situation, when your promise is beyond the circumstances, when your promise is beyond your imagination, when your promise is beyond what you can believe for or what you feel like you can have faith for. When your promise is beyond, God can still fulfill the promise. Are you there? Yeah. All right. So, so... Um, Anyway, so they were beyond, and this morning's message is for all those people who have given up. Huh? It's, yeah, you, you have not given up on God, but you've given up on something that you would hope would happen, gave up on something God would do. Uh, you've given up on, on something that's, that's, that's just beyond what you can ask or think. And you feel as if maybe you didn't hear God in the first place. How many have ever been there? Was that really you, God, after all this time, after all the endurance, after all the patience? Is that really you, God? Or maybe I just misunderstood what you said. Maybe I have to rearrange circumstances to say that was the fulfillment. By the way, Abraham and, and Sarah did that in, in, the, uh, in the conception of Ishmael. They took it into their own hands and re-kind of, re-kind of sculpted the promise so that it could be fulfilled in a way that wasn't the way that God said he would do it in the first place. Okay, so maybe that's you. And you know you're beyond all that. How many feel beyond all that, right? I remember I was, um, I was up at uh, Liberty, Pennsylvania uh, at a church up there that at the time Denny Hendershot was practiced, was, uh, was pastoring. And, and, uh, and I was older and I'd been in a softball game a, a few years before and pulled, pulled a muscle and was like limping for forever because I pulled a muscle. And, and so uh, the, the Liberty Church and the Williamsport Church were having a softball game, and I was up there with this uh, pastor by the name of David Matthews. He's a great guy. He, he's uh, Irish, and he has that Irish brogue, and he's witty and all those things. And all of a sudden, the two teams said to say, Grubby, come on in, come on, you got to play play with us. And, and I'm thinking, oh, do I want to do that, you know? It's one run from first to second, and I'm, you know, I'm going to see Barry serrard Anyway, so, so uh, uh, anyway, I, I, you know, I, but I felt like the Lord said, yeah, jo- join him for an inning. Just do it for an inning. And David's sitting next to me, and he says, Jackie... You know you're beyond that, don't you? You know, <laughs> you realize you're beyond this. And I, I said, I know. And so I went, you know, and first time up to bat, I put it over the fence. Seriously. Yeah, I know. And then, and then I quit. Right then and then <laughs> Now, I got to tell you, there have been things that I've done that, that kind of weren't in the will of God uh, that, that I was beyond and I paid the price. All right. But when God speaks, when God says something and you do it, you find out that you may be beyond it, but God isn't beyond it. Am, am I right? So this is a, an encouraging message this morning. All right. Um, so this morning, it's, it, it's a godly thing to, t- to grow young. I want to look at a passage from Genesis that we just talked about. Chapter 18, you can turn on your Bibles and turn, open your Bibles, and uh, I want to begin in verse one, and the context is important. The context is this. Abraham and Sarah have been promised that they would be the father and mother of nations, and that through them, the whole world would be blessed problem is they're very, 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 very old and they are beyond that. Huh? They're beyond it. And, and they feel as if they are beyond the promise. So let's look together at what happens beginning in verse 1 Abraham is sitting at the door in his tent in the heat of the day. This is like Hebrew, Hebrew siesta, right? So, <laughs> so I'm going to begin in chapter 18, verse 1. And I want to do a running commentary. The Hebrew, the Hebrew in this, in this uh, is just, just fantastic. Lots of, lots of wordplay. Okay, verse 18, and I'll do the commentary. Try and stay with me and track with me in this. Okay, and the Lord, and the word for Lord here is Yahweh. It's translated Lord in English, but this is important because there's there's a back and forth on the word for Lord in this. And the Lord, that's Yahweh, appeared to him, that's Abraham. And the Lord, Yahweh, appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. And as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, verse 2, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, that's for us. Take a look at this. Behold, three men were standing in front of him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself upon the earth. Now watch the sense of urgency in this passage. There's urgency everywhere, because Abraham senses something regarding these three guys. And verse three, and so Abraham says, O Lord. Now the word for Lord here changes. It's Adonai which roughly means sir. As a matter of fact, in modern Hebrew the word Adonai means uh, mister or sir. It's kind of like like Senor, Right? And so he says, Abraham says, If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Something's going on here. Verse 4 let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree. Verse five, and while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourself, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. There's an intentionality, he's sensing an intentionality about the path of these three visitors. And so we're in verse um, six, and Abraham, watch this, went quickly into the tent of Sarah and said, quick, quick, three says of flour, knead it and make cakes. Verse 7, and Abraham ran to the herd, took a calf, tender and good, gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Do you, do you get the sense of urgency here? Quickly. And verse 8, and then he took curds and milk, and, and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Now, he's standing while they're sitting there eating uh, eating as, as if he's almost like a waiter. You see, we, we always talk about waiting on the Lord as if we have to sit and have siesta while God does something. Sometimes waiting on the Lord means acting with a sense of urgency. We're waiting on him like a waiter waits on a table. And by the way, this is a sign that he's giving them high status. Okay, the fact that he's doing this. He's raising up their status. Verse 9, and they said they, together, the three of them, said to him, where I wonder, I wonder how they did this. I, I kind of like want to see this unfold. In my, my head. Did they all say, Where is Sarah, your wife? Or, or did they three separately say? But the three of them, they said, Where is Sarah, your wife? Now, can I point out that nothing in the te- text suggests that they should know Sarah's name? Yet they do. There's a hint, right? A hint that something's going on. And, and, he, and so Abraham said, She's in the tent, verse 10. And the Lord, now this is still Adonai. The Lord, Adonai, the mister, said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. That's a prophecy. Are you there? That's a prophecy. And Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was listening in the tent door behind him. Verse 11. "Now uh, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. Uh, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, which is a euphemism in Hebrew. It's, it's a way of saying she was long past saying she was long past menopause. Verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself, and the word for laugh is tzek, and you'll find out why that's important in just a second. Because in in chapter 21, verse 6, Abraham and Sarah have a son, as was prophesied, and name him Yitzhak. Which is means he laughs, isn't that interesting? All right, okay. The implication is also that God is laughing, huh? God is laughing at Sarah's laughter. All right, all right. So uh, Sarah is saying, after I after I am worn out, and my old Adonai is, or my my Lord Adonai is old. By the way, uh, Abraham is is Sarah's Adonai, okay? This word play is going on here. After I'm worn out and my Adonai is old, shall I have pleasure? The word there is shall I have delight. Here's something really interesting. The word here is word play going on. The word here for pleasure is Eden. It's the same word that's used for the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight. Isn't that interesting? And so the the implication is, the idea is going back to the beginning, becoming young again. Watch this, in verse 13, the word for Lord completely changes to Yahweh. And and, and we discover that at least one of the visitors is in fact God himself. And so in verse 13, Yahweh said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? And then, I love the fact that it's God who says this. It's Yahweh who says, verse 14, is anything too hard for Yahweh? Huh? We could say that this morning, yeah? Is anything too hard for Yahweh? Now, the word hard there doesn't mean difficult. The word hard means, is anything too wondrous? Is anything too filled with awe? Is anything beyond what we can ask or think that Yahweh can't do it? I want to say that what God said then, God is saying now, because God doesn't change. All right. All right. So is anything too hard for Yahweh? All right. Uh, At the appointed time, uh, he says, I will return to you about this time next year. And once again, he reiterates, Sarah will have a son. Verse 15. And verse 15. And Sarah denied it, saying, I love this, I did not laugh, you know. Now, you'd think she'd get struck by lightning for lying to God. Yeah. <laughs> I love God's response. He, he said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And God said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> I mean, there's so much wit in this thing. All right. Now, I, I want one last thing I want to point out for, for all the ladies here, that in Genesis 17, 17, Abraham did exactly the same thing at that word. He laughed out loud. Like, really? You know? Okay. So here's my first point. When, you, when we think that God's promise is beyond his ability to, to perform it or accomplish it, God gets the last laugh. How's that? Huh? And, okay, when after having had three daughters... Uh, uh, Trisha came to me one day and she prophesied that we we're gonna have another child, uh, which it was a surprise to me, and, and that he would be a son and he would be named Nathan Samuel and that he would be a prophet. And I, I have to admit, I, I laughed because I knew I was beyond that, all right? Are you there? Okay. And, and 30 odd years later, Two thirds of that prophecy is exactly fulfilled, and I realize that whatever I see, I have to stand by the prophecy and the promise, lest I somehow confuse or abort the promise. Are you there? And I believe I'm going to have a son who's a prophet some way. Now he could be an electrical engineer pro- prophet, but uh, you know I'd have to get Jeff to sort that out for me. Anyway, so so let's examine together. I want us to, do, to look at this. I want, I want us to examine together how all of this happened for Abraham and Sarah. And I want to declare that for some of us here this morning, okay, or even you, any of us on live stream, uh, like Abraham, maybe this morning we're at the door of the tabernacle in the heat of the day. In the heat of the day, we just don't want to do anything because it's been too hot. You there? And, and But what about this? God is at the door here this morning. The promise is alive. The promise has not been deferred. God is on time. We're the ones who are off time. God is here. And it's really important how, how we respond to him when he shows up at the door, yeah? And what are some of the ways then that Abraham and Sarah respond? Well, the first is this. Don't hesitate when you sense what just might be the presence of God. Huh? Well, don't hesitate. God seems to love kingdom opportunists. A kingdom opportunist is someone who responds to a God opportunity. And and Abraham makes himself available to the fact that maybe, 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 after all we've been through and we had... We, we went to Hagar and had Ishmael and all we've been through. Maybe, just maybe, something wonderful is about to happen. Huh? Uh, maybe this unanticipated visitation could go somewhere because I'm sensing there's something special about these three amigos, yeah? <laughs> and, uh, 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 this There's a sense of urgency, a sense that maybe this is supernatural. This is... All suggested by the urgency and his disposition to turn it all into hospitality. We talked about hospitality about three weeks at the table of the Lord. We're going to find out that guess what? These guys are eating. God is eating again. Everywhere God eats a lot of places in scripture. Anyway, okay. So here's the deal. Uh, let's let heaven distract us. From our agendas. I, I just, I don't know about you guys, uh, I, I wake up in the morning and I really have to work my way into a sense that heaven can distract me today. Uh, you know, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm sleepy, maybe I'm this and that. God comes into those situations and we need to be able to have the Holy Spirit percolate within us and give us the caffeine of His goodness and wake us up to what He's doing. Yeah? And so so that's what's kind of going on here. Let's let heaven distract us. Uh, uh, Moses, after 40 years in the backside of the wilderness, thought that he would never be able to redeem his people. He was settled back there because he was beyond that. He was beyond the promise, okay? And in the wilderness he saw a bush burning that was not consumed. In Exodus chapter three, verse two, uh, it describes him. It says, so Moses said, I must now turn aside. In other words, I must move away from what I'm doing over here and look over here because there might be some urgency over here. I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is burning but not consumed. And, and, and this is what, what's really interesting. The scripture says, when the Lord, that's Yahweh, when Yahweh saw that Moses turned aside to look, when the Lord saw that Moses was capable of turning aside to look, he called him. God called him. Ah, could our call be predicated upon our willingness to be turned aside from all the junk that's in our lives, because life is like that. Oh, of course, maybe you don't have any junk in your life. I got lots of it, you know. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> do you ever see that commercial where it's the junk removers and somebody points to the junk and it just disappears? Uh, you know, I ho- I'm hoping God is like that, you know. <laughs> really, either that or final judgment has to be a bell curve, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> it, in this season, we are, are we capable of being turned aside from our agendas to God's agenda? Gideon, in the book of Judges, was hiding from the, his enemies of Israel who needed to be defeated. Literally, he, <laughs> the enemies Israel was in crisis. The enemies uh, of Israel were, doing, were wreaking havoc across the, the wheat fields and the vineyards, so he would sneak out at night, or he would sneak out in t- times when there was no enemy activity and he would secretly harvest something and then run back and hide again. This is, this is Gideon, you know? And so, uh, so anyway, it, the enemies of Israel needed to be defeated, but from uh, Gideon's perspective, he and Israel were beyond that. They were beyond any of that. So, Because he came from a nothing tribe, a nothing family, and he was the youngest of that nothing family i think he had eight brothers and an angel appears to him while he was threshing and hiding okay and says the lord is with you o valiant warrior which is of course just crazy cuz you know he's 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 a he's a wimp you know and and so judges 612 the lord is with you o valiant warrior and and then Uh, Gideon essentially says to the angel, and I love this because it's the way probably half of us here would respond. He says, yeah, well, if the Lord is with me, how come everything is so bad? (laughs) I mean, have you felt that way? (laughs) And and Gideon's essentially saying, I am beyond all that. I just want to get the harvest in and move along with my life and don't bother me, that kind of thing. So so the the the, uh, so he says, yeah. But God is, the angel says God is with you, and o- Gideon is obedient and goes, and Israel's enemies are defeated, and there are so many more uh, more examples of that in the scripture. I mean, scripture's is full of this stuff. But that brings me to my next point: attempt to move beyond what it is you're beyond. What's intractable? in your life. Because the suggestion that something is intractable, unmovable, uh, there's a blockade against your future, that suggestion means that you have a hope. And the hope can't be accomplished because you're beyond that, or God's beyond that. Circumstances are beyond that. So we need to attempt to move beyond what you are beyond. A couple years ago, Katrina, are you here? There she is. She said to me, and she's this great worship leader, great, the keyboards, all that kind of stuff. And she says to me, I'm going to learn the violin. I don't, I don't know how old you were then or how old you are now, Katrina. I just know people your age don't try to learn the violin. And she's playing the violin last week and has other times as well. And she did this one time when all the music died down and she was playing and the Holy Ghost just went on me like, Are you there? But you, you moved beyond what you were beyond, huh? You moved beyond what you were beyond. And so, so moving in faith requires effort. It, it, you gotta you got do something. There needs to be a point of contact for our faith. Uh, and, and without being, okay, I gotta be careful here. At least the kids are downstairs. Without being indelicate, it's safe to say, follow me here, that for Isaac to be born, Abraham and Sarah had to renew their relationship in ways in which they hadn't quite done that in a number of years or since they were younger. Are you there? Huh? Something had to happen, yeah? And and I don't know what this it all looked like way back then, but it would have been fun to hang around that camp and watch the change in their attitudes toward one another, you know? I kind of picture... Uh, i kind of picture abraham coming out of the tent channeling channeling singing in the rain with you know <laughs> do, 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 do 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 you know that that scene you know <laughs> and people in the camp saying how, how what's the spring in his step about you know Why is he whistling all the time all right there there's this great there's this great um See one of my favorite movies. I got like twenty-five top movies, but one of my favorite, maybe top ten, is Moonstruck. She's going, Trish is going. Rrr. Anyway, I got to do this, Trish. Anyway, there's this great, great scene in the movie Moonstruck. It's, if you haven't seen it, you got it's 1997, but it's still as good as ever, and it's got the Twin Towers in New York all all around and stuff. So, anyway, so, so there's this great scene in Moonstruck where. Uh, where Luis Capamaggio and Rita Capamaggio own this, this uh, a grocery store. And they are these old Italians who, who own a grocery store in Brooklyn. And, you know, they, they're beyond all that. They're just beyond all that. And, and he sees a moon. And the moon is so big. And he looks at the moon through the, through the, the windows in his bedroom. And he goes, oh, it's Cosmo's moon. That's his brother-in-law who who talks about the moon and filled with romance, and, and all of a sudden, it's, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, and all of a sudden, he's filled with more, you know? And, and you know, I'll, I'll let you follow through the rest, but it's just this charming scene where this old couple becomes young again, and it's just like Sarah and Abraham. Something wonderful happens, and they go back to Eden, back to where it all began. All right, now, one great measure of being young is our ability to experience wonder again. How many of you know, because I'm older, how many of you know that, that, that wonder and awe and a sense of the marvelous leaks the older you get? Yeah? You become rigid, you become skeptical. But one of the neat things is with kids, one of the reasons we love kids, you take a good old uh, b- a balloon with a little bit of flourish on it, and you give it to a child, they go, ah! But we're thinking, yeah, it's just a balloon, but, but you know what? We get in on their wonder. Are you there? I wanna be able to get in on the wonder that kids have. I wanna get in on the wonder. This great art brings me into wonder all the time. I wanna, that's one of the ways I get in on wonder. And so, uh, is anything too wonderful then for, for Yahweh to perform? And that's why we love to watch kids before all the cynicism creeps in. And that brings me to another point, because it's getting late. Here's a biggie. Don't despise prophesying. Don't despise prophesying. Uh, While I wouldn't say that Sarah despised exactly the prophecy of the visitor who said that he he would return and she would have a son, her laughter tells us that she was certainly dismissive of it. Huh? I have seen people dismiss prophecies... Oh, everybody who walks out of here every Sunday, if there's prophetic activity as there was this morning, Elizabeth, that was fantastic. Uh, you know, you, you know, by by lunch you're dismissing it. Are you there? And you're just thinking of something either on your agenda. And so this stuff, I I try to take this stuff to heart because there's awe and wonder in it. Don't don't despise prophesying. It always interested me that Paul as he concludes his first letter to the church of Thessalonica, encourages the church with these words. Watch this. Hmm. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But then he says this. He says, and in this context, he says... Do not quench the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and do not despise prophesying[s] or prophecies. You can translate it either way. But test everything and just hold fast to what is good because no New Testament prophecy is completely inerrant. There's a, you know, there's a mixture. You've got to discern it. It's how you get in on the game, right? And I used to ask myself, why would Paul have to warn the church not to quench the Spirit, a notion to which seems to be attached despising prophecy. And the, the word despise here, by, by the way, doesn't mean to hate. It means just to render as worthless. Huh? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Right? It's, it's that kind of thing. And over the years as a pastor, I have noticed that the phenomenon of prophecy itself is a lightning rod for criticism. I mean, I mean, if I have to take hits on anything. It's usually over prophecy. You know, it's not over divorce and remarriage and all the other hot button issues. Somebody said something, somebody didn't like, and the emails come flowing in, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm just thinking, we did, if I look at the church at Corinth, you know, Paul says, I would that you all prophesy, you know, I would that you all spoke, spoke in tongues as much as I do. And that's not to, to, to foist something on someone that maybe they're uncomfortable with, but, but it seems to me, if I look at the history of the early church, all the way in to the 8th century, what we do on Sunday mornings was normative. How cool is that? Huh? And so, uh, to that end, I have I've, I've a, I've a word uh, for us. <laughs> and this is a great time to bring some good news. Prophet Denny Kramer will be with us Wednesday, September 8th at 7 p.m. Uh, he's, Stenny's moves internationally. He's a profound word of knowledge. And I wanna say this, th- this isn't like a joint church thing. I felt really when I brought it to, to the elders, I, saw, I said, I really feel like it's important that this is a new covenant event. Not that people who aren't new covenant people can't come. You get me on that. In other words, it's, this is sponsored by NC4 and four NC4 people, and anybody who wants to join the party is fine to come, but, but there's this sense that, that there's going to be words for people that, that are for this flock at this time, and it's such a strange season. So it's been probably three, four years since he's been here, and I'm looking forward to, to him coming. So save that date. Now, I believe that there is a... That's a Wednesday, by the way. It's midweek, 7 o'clock. And so it's a Wednesday, so people should be able to make it. I believe there's a reason that Sarah was not judged for her skepticism. I mean, she laughed out loud at what God said, all right? And, and, and she denied or dismissed what God said. And I believe there was a reason for her skepticism and her laughing. Rem- remember, for example, that Zechariah was struck dumb for a season because of his skepticism at Gabriel's prophecy that Elizabeth would bear a child in her old age. Remember that? He was, she was, stri- but that didn't happen here. Sarah denied laughing at the prophecy because the text says she was afraid. Look, if there's a poverty in the church, and I'm not talking about New Covenant, I'm talking about the church at large right now, if there is one poverty that I had to put my the, out of the top 10 poverties in the church right now, it's a poverty of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Are you hearing me? People aren't afraid of God anymore. They're afraid of politicians. They're afraid of masks. They're afraid of not masks. They're afraid of vaccinations. They're afraid of not vaccinations. The church is afraid of everything, it seems, but the Lord Himself. I, I just I, I I feel a prophetic anointing on me, saying not that all those other things aren't important, but but the spirit. Look, Isaiah, you know, says you know, a, a root shall spring out out of Jesse, and and he I'll put my spirit upon him, spirit of of the spirit of wisdom, the spirit the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of of understanding. Uh, and, And all those things he said, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Watch this. And then Isaiah says, he's describing Jesus. And his delight, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Sarah feared the Lord. She really did. She was afraid. So God especially loves us when we fear him and we are hospitable to him. Abraham and Sarah treat the three visitors with honor, I mean how how much honor is there in the church these days? huh? Honor, respect, awe I mean we, we, we've become we've allowed the enemy to rob us of awe there's an awelessness, and, and Abraham and Sarah worship and they sacrifice they give them their, they give these guys their very, very best young calf and, and he says, uh, so I want to just close by giving you just a tiny little bit of historical theology, if you could bring up that icon. Uh, and by the way, all, all three respond to them. This, is, uh, this, this icon is called Trinity, but it's also called uh, the hospitality of Abraham. And this is an icon done about 900 years ago. And I have a copy that I've kept in my office, and now it's my home, and Ian has a copy in his office. And we never even talked about it because we both love it. And it's an icon, and these are the three visitors who came to Abraham and Sarah's house. Now, if you notice, they're dressed differently, but they all have the same face. It's three different visitors, but all the same person. And, and so, so it's called the hospitality of, of Abraham, and, and, and uh, right, going all the way back into the, the second century, uh, the church fathers. You know, guys like Cyprian and Ignatius and, and going all the way up to Augustine. There's always been a sense that the three visitors were the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now that's not, that's a bit of artistic conjecture. I get that. I'm not, I have to point that out. It could be one of them is Yahweh and the other two are angels. But but the thing is, they all have the same face here as, as it's rendered by this uh, a Russian painter, and and in the background is the father dressed in dark clothes of blue, and looking and gazing over at the son who's in royal gold. And while that's happening, the spirit, the the color for the spirit church liturgy, is, is blue and green, and the spirit's looking down at the bread and the wine and the body and the blood the son will have to shed in order for the father's promise to take place. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful stuff. So, okay, it's called Trinity. And by the way, the original is in a a gallery in Moscow. And uh, and if if you want to ever go see it, it's in a gallery in Moscow, but I know you're all beyond that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, To conclude then... I'm going to invite uh, one musician or the musicians to come up here. I want a little tickling of the ivories or something. Let's be disposed. I believe this was what was prophetically evoked by Tony and Elizabeth this morning. I believe we need to be at this time in this place right now despite the fact that Music Fest has begun. I'm sorry. (laughs) We need to be disposed for those of you who love Music Fest, enjoy it, you know. <laughs> and I won't. <laughs> let's be disposed to becoming younger and seeing God do something impossible. Now watch, I'll have to go down to Music Fest this afternoon and repent. Anyway, let's be disposed to God becoming younger and doing the impossible. Can we stand? Tricia, you have a word, right? As Grubby
0: was preparing this message... I was supposed to teach with him and I felt like he was the one to deliver it and the word I kept getting was pregnant with a prophetic purpose and there's a prophetic promise. And so with that, what I want to encourage, I feel like we need to brush off the disappointment, the despair, the past year because all that's been in my heart is God is up to something. He's doing something. And we need to recognize that we need to walk in the season that we are in. He's doing something new and what used to work is not going to work any longer. So don't look back. Don't go back to what you once were. What he wants is for you to be something you've never been. There is a call and a destiny, a fresh one. So pay attention. You need to pay attention for your informative angel. Like the three. Abraham knew immediately when they stepped on the scene. He knew it immediately. And it was rushing and taking action. He saw it immediately. You can see that and know that in the spirit. And take the action that God is saying for you to move into the new plans and purposes. I actually laugh, (laughs) that was your message. Uh, Because we're in transition, and I feel like I wanna say I'm beyond that. You know, like, okay, so we're in transition, we'll retire, you can just put your feet up and toss bonbons. And God's saying, nope, I'm up to something, I'm doing something. And there's new purpose and new destiny, and you need to be before me, catch it, and move in it. But that's not just for me, for hubby grub. That's for this body. This body needs to grab hold of God and see what he is calling you into, because we can't do it without one another. I'm telling you, I have a prayer group of girls that when the moment comes, it's like I'm I'm calling on the phone. Okay, I'm diving. I'm going down. Somebody get praying. I need help to keep walking the way God is saying for me to walk. And I see him doing that even with our gathering series. He's calling us back together to love and bring unity and care for one another so we can strengthen one another into the new purposes he's calling. So he's up to something. He's doing something. Watch for those informative angels. Those were just men. Abraham recognized it because there's um, a prophetic promise. You are pregnant with newness in God. There's a promise for you to walk in and a purpose for you to walk in. Amen.
1: I could, yeah. Uh, Okay, so Abraham, I'm just kind of I'm flowing with what I'm getting in the spirit right now. Abraham um, ran to the, what he perceived as the three men, whether he knew the, the, that were God, it was God or angels or what, he knew something was cooking. And so what I'm sensing to do, and it said, and he, he bowed, he ran up to them and bowed before them. Now, I, I don't think everybody here can kneel. Uh, I know some of you just are you know you 're beyond that, <laughs> but you can bow, you can lean forward or whatever so what i 'm going to ask i 'm going to pray a prayer and i to I want to release a perception by the Holy Spirit on what hopes and what promises we 've harbored that we now believe we 're beyond okay and uh that we're just, can't happen anymore. God's saying, that's not true. Don't laugh because I have the last laugh. So pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, we together as a congregation release all our beyonds up to you. Things that we've harbored, hopes that we've harbored God, Yearnings that are unrequited, that, Lord, all all of the things that we thought were going to happen that didn't happen, or we needed to happen that didn't happen, we raise them up to you, Lord. And we declare if you will visit us, if you will visit us, we'll try not to laugh. We'll try not to laugh. Give us your Holy Spirit, God. Now, I release uh, perceptions, prophetic perceptions in people as to what those things are. I know I personally have three things. And if you believe that there's something in you, um, as as I do for myself personally, I'm going to ask that either you kneel right now or you sit and bow, and and uh, if that's you, experience that urgency. Whole new way of taking the knee. <laughs> Lord, why why were pros pros? Uh, Prostrate before you, we say, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Father, come. Come, Jesus, come. That in the not too distant future, we will all bear the child. That what we hoped for will come to pass. And we ask that for ourselves, for one another, and for this church. Whoa! In Jesus Christ's name, we pray and we all say together, amen and amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to
1: 610-816-6062.